0: Shows are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Welcome to the Adventures in Tech Podcast, talking the latest tips and trends in educational technology to innovate and engage your students. Here are your hosts, Andrew and Dan. Hello there, everybody. Once again, my name is Andrew. And I'm Dan. And we welcome you to episode number three of the Adventures in Tech Podcast. Very excited that you have joined us once again. Uh, as always, if you like the content, please help us out. Provide some feedback and a rating on the platform uh, you use to listen, whether it be Apple, Google, Spotify, Pocket Cast, uh We greatly appreciate your support. So, uh, Dan, what's going on? What's new?
1: Uh, not much. I just can't believe we're on episode three already. It's
0: flying by. We're getting and, and and just thinking about that. Really, we we thank everybody for all the positive support and feedback and and reaching out to us via the social channels, via emails. Some of you have actually taken the time to lead the reviews. Uh, we do appreciate that greatly.
1: Yes, thank you very much.
0: So as we uh, talk about things that are going on uh, over the last 10 days or so since we last uh, released an episode, uh, as we had mentioned previously, we are back in classrooms. A lot of cool things happening. Dan, talk about what, some, what, what you got going on in the classrooms.
1: Uh, one of the things that I have going on in the classrooms right now is working with a ninth grade global history class and... We're looking at origin stories as a precursor to talking about world religions. So as they're researching different origin stories, we're going to compare them using Google My Maps. Awesome. So the students are doing research, and they're gathering information, and then we're using Google Forms and Google Sheets to populate a Google My Map. Um, Which will which I think is fantastic. And what I'm even more excited about is the teacher is completely hooked. So she's going to use Google My Maps for her entire year. So look at that geographical reasoning and then have the students put different layers onto that maps to curate all their learning for the year. So that's super exciting.
0: Yeah, you're seeing where they start and then where they end and, and the entire learning experience in one, one spot. So it's really curated there. That's awesome. That's awesome. Lots of things going on. We actually had an opportunity to work with an AP environmental science class this week. Uh, we actually flew the drone and uh, were able to take some aerial images. We were out canoeing. And we did not
1: crash it in we the did Hudson not. River. We
0: did not. So score one. <laughs> yeah. So we, we definitely scored some some points there with our our uh, boss, our tech director. We did not ruin any equipment in the middle of uh, the marshy area of the Hudson River. So a big shout out to that class uh, and the AP environmental students. Uh, we had a great time with you guys and uh, really look to creating those experiences with those images and the 360 images and moving forward as, you know, fifth grade also studies ecosystems and everything. We're going to connect those AP environmental students with some of our fifth grade students to have that that synergy between the two classes. It's going to be a great experience.
1: And especially with that experience, what was really cool was how excited the students were. Um, one, I think that we're excited that we were flying a drone, <laughs> yeah. but they were excited to do something with the footage. So it, we're definitely putting the ownership of this on the students to create that VR experience and build it up for an authentic audience. So I think um, really thinking outside the box and providing these opportunities. Plus, the, um, the naturalists and facilitators we had from...
0: The DEC, yep. the
1: DEC are very excited to see the footage and what we come up with.
0: Yeah, they were super stoked that a drone was actually being flown, and it was definitely a great learning experience. There's nothing like getting out of the classroom, something that we've missed over the past 19 months for these students. They couldn't experience this in person, and it just wasn't the same. So they were they were super stoked to be out. We had a great time. The teacher was all on board, the DEC, uh, all the naturalists. It, w- it was a great experience for the students overall. Uh, they definitely had a great time. So we have – um. That coming up, we also have some other things kind of in the works of ideas of of utilizing technology, giving students voice and choice, and we'll elaborate on those, uh, you know, as we get closer to, you know, launching those uh, experiences with students, you know, throughout uh, our district. The other thing we want to mention is Nicegate coming up. Uh, it is about 30 to 40 days away, uh, mid-November, uh, up at Rochester, the Nicegate Annual Conference Better Together 2021. So we are going to be bringing the show on the road. Uh, if you are going to be attending Skate nice in person, uh, please, please come, you know, reach out uh, to us ahead of time. We'd love to get your thoughts on uh, the different sessions you've attended, the exhibit hall, workshops, the keynotes. You know, Manny Scott did an excellent keynote last year, even though the whole platform was virtual. You know, the corporate council will be there. So we're going to have our special guests uh, we have a whole crew of people that we know that are attending, so uh, we do want to get them on the show as
1: well. And just uh, remember, if you're not going to be at Nice Skate in person, there is a virtual option this year as well.
0: Correct, yep. And then the other thing is uh, a big friend of the podcast, uh, Matt Miller. woo Yeah, Matt. He uh, actually just released recently uh, his Ditch Summit, which will be taking place December 13th uh, to January 7th, 2022. And it's year number six for the Ditch That Textbook Digital Summit. Uh, It's basically a free online conference for educators, and there's going to be tons, uh, over 75 video presentations on a wide range of topics related to instructional technology and teaching in your classroom. You'll absolutely love them. And uh, to get registered, all you have to go to is DitchSummit.com to get registered. And, you know, Dan and I had the opportunity. We've met Matt a couple times. We actually uh, ran a PD session with him with teachers in our district last year on four different occasions. Basically on uh, a study of of his book, and it just powerful stuff with Matt. Tech like a pirate. Tech like a pirate. It was actually it, it, it love it, love it to this day. Um, so definitely check out uh, Matt Miller's stuff. It was great. Yeah, so
1: you can definitely uh, follow him and on Twitter, or just do any Google search for "ditch that textbook." He'll and, come up, and he'll come up.
0: Great guy, great guy. So let's talk about the weekly windup. Not a ton of news in the Google world, but uh, there are some things. Uh, you know, going on uh, that Google did release. Uh, I did want to, we did talk about the meeting notes, right? So Mm -hmm. we talked about that last week, which is a a kind of a streamlined process for that. Uh, You know, I know I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit here. We know the hour of code and code week is coming. And Apple did unveil a new resource for elementary school, specifically with coding and inclusive app design. And it's the new Everyone Can Code Early Learners Guide. It just came out. Uh, this past week and the app's going to be there so kind of like i don't want to say competing but uh kind of competing with code.org but they want to have everyone can code early learners in in this new activity guide it's basically extending their coding curriculum resources all the way from our youngest learners in kindergarten all the way up to college so uh definitely uh cool things coming out we will of course link it to the uh the show notes as always but they have, you know, commands, functions, loops, variables, all that stuff, just to get kids, you know, involved and interested in that coding.
1: And also, don't forget about Code.org as a resource to get students coding and also um, Google's CS First uh, curriculum.
0: Right. So all the major, you know, tech players have, you know, they have their, their coding out there to kind of, you know, have uh, develop an interest for students in the, in the world of coding. So it's definitely cool stuff and Apple is catching up, uh, you know, with that. Uh, one thing that did come out that we didn't mention last week was the uh, image watermarks in Google Docs. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, it, it allows you to, uh, the watermark image will repeat behind the text of every page of your document. So it could be used for logos, branding, custom designs, really, you know, anything that kids, you know, students create uh, definitely allows them to, uh, you know, kind of develop something different with that platform.
1: Yeah, I, I'm kind of interested to see how we can actually use that in in terms with students I mean I know like from a professional standpoint point it's great that now you can like put draft copies out with the yep. watermark out a, as you're not ready right. to finalize things but with students I see some potentials for just creativity and design Um, Just another way of of working with multimedia and creating some different visuals um, using the watermark feature.
0: Yeah, please reach out to us on the socials. Share what you've done. If you've done anything with your students or any of your colleagues have, we'd love to kind of curate and collate them and put them out to uh, the the greater audience. You know, sharing is caring, as we always like to say. Um, You know, another thing I want to talk about is Kahoot. You know, uh, a lot of the Kahoot stuff you know, was utilized greatly last year in the virtual environment. I know some people are still in that uh, virtual environment, but they have uh, they're trying to really maximize student engagement with these new Kahoot courses, and it's for the entire class session. Um, so basically, you design full class sessions. You combine different content formats such as Kahoots, documents, uh, exploratory digital activities, all into the comprehensive learning experiences directly into Kahoot. So again, another thing that we haven't really messed around with, but uh, definitely to kind of tinker and see if it's worth exploring and utilizing on a weekly, daily basis, etc. Um,
1: one of the new updates uh, that I'm, I'm excited about is the updates with Google Arts and Culture. Yeah. As, as many of you are aware that Google retired its Expeditions app. Correct. Yep. Um, it was something that we used a lot to bring in that excuse me, that AR and VR into the classroom. And when they did away with that app, it was, it was a little disheartening to me because there was a lot of engagement activities and exploration that we would use that for. Of course, you can still use Google Street View and different things, but it, it's not a nice streamlined package as you're delivering it as a teacher to the classroom. But Google's, Google has always had arts and culture and now they've released a new teacher guide to go with some of their collections, and I think you know the number. But they moved a lot of their expeditions over to Google Arts and Culture.
0: Yeah, over 400 or something. I, I think they're about halfway there. So they're slowly, because if if I remember correctly, it effectively expeditions shut down kind of like the end of June last year. Um, so they are slowly moving over a lot of the collections, and I think overall, Google Arts and Culture is an untapped resource for sure that a lot of people don't either, you know, utilize, know about. So I think there's some marketing in there that Google may eventually get out to show the benefits. And, you know, like Dan said, we have the teacher guide, it's brand new. Uh, It's been uh, uh, recreated, you know, as they try to market this more. And we'll definitely link that to the show notes as well.
1: Right, so now we do have the option to use arts and culture for virtual field trips. We can fly kids to the moon, we can dive to the Great Barrier Reef, we can zoom inside a cell. We can look at Egypt's layered history. I mean, there's so much rich content in there that is now supported with the teacher's guide and streamlined resources.
0: And just thinking how you can, you know, use those, use that guide and use that uh, content to kind of create those experiences for students, uh, you know, and the modalities and the learning in different ways, different platforms to assess. Because let's be honest, you're not always going to have the experience where you can go onto a real in-person field trip. So it's kind of, I don't want to say replacing expeditions, you know, but it's also giving you another avenue just to kind of excite your students.
1: I think we'll uh, schedule some time in the future to discuss this more. Cause there's Absolutely. A lot, there's yeah. a lot in
0: there. I think, you know, that and virtual uh, reality AR – Uh, and uh, field trips, you know, because we know everybody's in a different learning environment, meaning virtual versus in person right now. I think that's definitely something uh, we need to touch base on in in the near future. Um, So this week's episode, as you know, we started to think uh, about what's coming up, you know, we talked about uh, vaguely uh, in previous episodes about feedback and communicating uh, with students effectively, and how can you offer feedback and you know, in what ways and how can students, you know, the communication part, like we talked about social emotional, they could be struggling, depending upon circumstances, you know, that you may not know, they may have uh, trouble communicating what exactly they're thinking, feeling, and how can you get across the point, because sometimes we know, if you put something in writing, if you put something in a text message, or, or what have you, you may, it may not come across exactly the way you want to. And we wanted to touch base upon this at uh, this episode also, as Besides just communicating with your students, we also want to talk about communicating with parents because we know uh, a lot of the uh, back-to-school parent partners, open house, every district calls them something different, you know, where the uh, teachers talk to the parents about what's going on, but also then uh, specifically parent-teacher conferences are coming. And, you know, we talked about, uh, you know, I wanted to mention there's there's, uh, an article, Seven Ways. Uh, teachers can communicate with parents using technology in 2021. So this is uh, from uh, Screencastify, and again, we will uh, share everything. But more than ever, we know as our colleagues, we're embracing new technology to enhance the learning outcomes for our students. And obviously, we want to make sure that parent-teacher communication is no exception. There's that 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 bridge between school and home is so much more important after what we've been through the last 19 months. And effective communication has always been a challenge, and there's no single... Uh, solution, ed tech solution, that's going to reach every parent equally. We don't know devices, Wi-Fi, etc. But if you have the right mix of tools in your toolbox, we know that we can communicate better than ever. And we want to ensure that, you know, these tools will also offer the parents increased transparency and participate in the students' learning journey so they know exactly what's going on in a snapshot of their school day, day
1: in, day out. And and we all see how impersonal the digital environment can be. And we we often can't see visual cues or anything so something in an email or a text or a message can, can often come across differently even though it hasn't been intended correct in that way so there are some ways to communicate with parents and also with students to be effective in in getting um, good feedback and good communication in the digital environment
0: Yeah, so just a a couple of these uh, tips, you know, they said, obviously, videos, you know, we know we've been doing video conferencing, you know, uh, meeting face to face parent teacher conferences, a lot of times has been a challenge. Well, I think, you know, uh, the last 19 months has kind of revolutionized that there's really no excuse that you can't connect with that parent to talk about that student's progress because of how far we've come with video conferencing. Because we know parents may not be able to get off work at that certain time, or maybe they have a a younger child or an elderly family member to care for at home. And so that could be challenging. Um, So we want to ensure that, you know, that's one thing the technology has kind of forged out of the pandemic is it does allow you to constantly have communication with those parents and give them the opportunity to meet based on those schedules without having to, you know, actually be there in person. Uh, So that's a huge benefit. The other thing is we talk about the technology allowing to share student progress with parents. Whether we talked about Google Classroom, we're going to talk about feedback. But all of the learning management systems that districts are using, they have a ton of ways to analyze student progress, progress reports, grading, completions, you know, anything that can be visualized. Parents can access that. We want to make sure parents have the opportunity to participate in the learning environment. And a lot of that, again, will go directly through the LMS that your district is, is using. There was an interesting study, too, uh, that came out of uh, Columbia University that, you know, the text messaging, it's I mean, it's it's our culture now. Let's be honest. And text messaging has really shown to drive results that there was a 12 percent increase in attendance and a 27 percent decrease in course failures when parents receive weekly texts about student progress. So, again, we always want to make sure everything's Ed Law 2D compliant, uh, specifically in New York State and COPA, and FERPA, and everything like that, when you're you're texting, if you're texting parents, they are above the age of 18, you shouldn't really have too many issues with that. But that is uh, something that pe- we all, you know, utilize our smartphones and our phones to receive information, whether it be from a specific class, specific period, or the entire district as a whole. So using uh, the text messaging, the data has proven that it is uh, definitely driving results.
1: Absolutely. And we're all familiar with using something like Remind. Correct. Um, which will allow you to s- send those text messages out and um, make sure it's it's being received and have the communication back and forth. But, you know, we think about that parent communication, and there's some tools that you can use that you may not have thought of already. Yep. Just using the, extent, the Screencastify extension. Yep. Being able to record short little videos and share them is a great way of communicating with family. So whether if you want to send something about a student work and demonstrate something that you're showing to them, you can do that with a screencast or Screencastify. Um, you can also you know, create have that communication between the student and home environment by doing a weekly wind-up like we're doing here of what's right. going on and put the students in, in charge of, of creating a Screencastify video that you can then push out to, to parents or the community.
0: You think how important that is. It just jogged my memory of uh I'm a big Disney fan as Dan knows, but in case you guys don't, I'm thinking of the uh the, the second Incredibles movie when Mr. Incredible has to teach Dash math.
1: It's not the way you're supposed to do it, Dad. They want us to do it. This I don't
0: way. know that way. Why would they change math? Ah, math is math, okay, math
1: is math. I'll just wait for mom to get back. What? Well,
0: she won't understand it any better than I do. And it's just, he was pounding his head, but that's not how we do it anymore. And it's, you know, so those little short videos can really uh, benefit, uh, you know, how the student, what you saw your student uh, be taught in school and one of the methods that they were taught. Because we know there's multiple ways to get to an answer, you know, and Screencastify uh, whether you have a paid uh, or a free uh, account, you at least get five minutes. So, it, you know, if you can't, let's be honest, our attention span, mm-hmm. a video should not be more than five minutes anyways. So that as a free resource uh, is powerful in itself.
1: And what's nice about Screencastify, it doesn't always have to be video. You can record it as a video, but right. you have the option to download just the audio as yeah, well. Yeah, that's huge. We're going to talk more about audio. Uh, a couple other
0: things, you know, and I think, you know, uh, I want to skip over. I'm going to just mention Wakelet. Um, Dan and I are big fans of Wakelet, you know, and it's it's very powerful. It's kind of like Pinterest for educators, for lack definitely. of a better term, uh, with, you know, not pinning, but, you know, just curating stuff. And, and I think we can definitely... Utilize Wakelet in many ways, and we can talk about that, you know, in the future.
1: Just briefly, I mean, one feature of Wakelet is they do have a newsletter feature, right? So any you can create that newsletter in Wakelet. Your parents have easy access through it through a link, and those. Screencast videos and all those updates or maybe those audio files can be put right into the Wakelet. Right. So everything is curated in one space. Saves the time of going to the copier
0: and printing it and then the toner not working or jamming. So absolutely, that's definitely powerful. And, and I think that's a great, uh, I think Wakelet's an underused tool in ed Tech for, for a lot of people. I think it's still just people don't know much about mm-hmm. it because it really started gaining traction right around the right before the pandemic hit. So it's very powerful. Something that we always look over and this, you know, depends on, um, uh, whether you're a Google workspace user or not, it could be turned on, turned off for of your domain, but it's Google voice. Mm-hmm. And you know, there's, there's just no substitute for phone calls that maybe what you're trying to say cannot be expressed via newsletter or via text message. And you may not want to provide an actual phone number uh, to every family, but Google Voice allows you to attach a second number to your number so you can share that less direct number with families and parents. They can come to your primary cell phone. They can receive text messages. They get voicemails uh, instead of just having to call a main office or anything like that. So Google Voice is something to check out if you if that's a platform that you're a big fan of and you want that uh you know, the phone conversation, but not have to just wait till, you know, uh, 830 the next morning or 215 in the afternoon. You know, you can have that access after school if you want to continue uh, to communicate with families.
1: And what I'm a big fan of with Google Voice is just the voicemail. It's huge, right? It's huge. Yeah, absolutely huge. Uh,
0: A couple other things we had mentioned before. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on Google Classroom um, because, you know, we know that they have the um, the uh, progress reports, the weekly reports for, for parents and guardians, the guardian summaries, they call them. So we had talked a lot about that. That'll help you facilitate those conferences if they know what's what's been turned in, what hasn't been turned in, so on and so forth. So they have all that information. We have a lot of districts that are big fans of Seesaw, which uh, to me it is a K-12 product, but it's more geared towards the littles. Um, but they have photo albums. So if you need to share uh, photos of, you know, students working on stuff or what happened today uh, in class, you know, I think it is geared more towards uh, elementary uh, and then we had talked about Screencastify. Another one that uh, kind of gives you a, a free kind of design is, uh, you know,
1: Canvas. Wait, wait, hold on a second. Oh, Before, sorry. since we brought up Screencastify, and I don't want to forget it, Screencastify does have an app smash. Oh. It does have an app smash. Right. So any of the videos that you create in Screencastify, you can push out directly to Remind or Wakelet. That's
0: right. It's in that, it's on the right side. You got to hit that triangle for more options. They don't show it to you right away. So that's important. That's that's right, Dan. Sorry for getting off track, but it just it just
1: hit me right there.
0: Squirrel. No, smash, I'm just kidding. Smash, app smash. <laughs> app smash, and that's it. So we you know, uh if you're not familiar with what an app smash is, it's when two of the, you know, apps go together, smash together and really uh help the educator out as a benefit. So I think that it would really be uh a good amount of ways that, you know, uh, educators can communicate with parents using technology. We know these platforms are continually uh, changing and evolving and updating and upgrading. They they listen to our feedback as educators because it is a powerful voice. Um, So it's definitely important to continue to offer your feedback. A lot of them are very responsive on the socials, specifically on Twitter, uh, and they continue to evolve and make these changes to kind of better uh, assist educators in what we do.
1: So let's uh, move along. So we're talking about, we just had a nice conversation about parent communication. Let's talk about streamlining feedback and communication with students. Yep. Whether you're in a remote environment, blended environment, I think a lot of people are now using those LMSs and those digital platforms to really push forward their digital learning space and their learning space in the classroom. So... Uh, we want to talk about ways of streamlining that feedback when students are submitting digital products. Yeah. Because we don't want to just put a grade or put a comment and, and that will get glossed right over um, from a student. We, we, we're not really sure if they're getting the feedback that we're giving them digitally. So one thing that's become my favorite over the past year is an extension called Mote. Mote, yes. Mote, M-O-T-E. And we'll put a link to the, the Chrome Web Store for that but Moat allows you to create voice recordings um, for your comments, for your feedback in... Anywhere. In, anywhere. Right. Anywhere I, that you create, and it, it, it integrates right with Google Workspace. So if you want to think about it, leaving a voice comment um, is great because students might be more apt to actually click on it, listen to it, and it will chart that a student is engaging with that comment. So you'll get a... You'll get a notification. You'll get to see that that student, in fact, did listen to the comment.
0: Which is important because we never know if they're really listening to us. And then the comment is always there. If you're meeting with a student in a small group or, you know, face to face, maybe it's just going in one ear out the other. You never know until they actually, you know, do something to prove you know, at a a later date, another assignment, that they've actually understood the feedback that you've given to them, responded to it, and were able to change whatever uh, feedback you gave, whatever you wanted them to kind of change or evolve in their work or so forth. So that is important, you know, uh, when we talk about that the moat comment is there, and they can continually listen to it if they're like, "Ah, I need a little more explanation. What, What was Mr. Roberto really looking
1: for? And with mode, (coughs) I did mention that it was integrated anywhere you can leave a comment in Google. So anywhere you can put a comment or a post or anything in Google Classroom, Google Slides, Google Docs, Google Sheets, Google Forms, uh, even in Gmail, you'll see a little M icon. Um, So you don't have to go anywhere special to to record this and attach it. it. It's automatically built in. Right. So you can click on the M, you can do your voice recording, and it saves right there. Yeah. Um, yeah, I will, I will point out that there is, you know, tiered levels of it. You do, you can get moat for free. It'll give you 30 second recording time and, um, it works in those applications. There is a paid version for unlimited. I think it's uh, about $39 per year and that will give you some more features, same integration, but you get 90 seconds of recording time. It'll give you voice to text trans transcription. It'll do translations. You can save and reuse moats, um, so it does have a little more features for the paid version, but I've been using the the free version and, you know, 30 seconds when you think about it, long time, long time.
0: Yeah. It's enough to, you know, to give the feedback points that you want to, as long as your feedback is on point and directed and you're not going off on tangents I think 30 second recording time is valuable time for the student, especially depending upon their age level and their attention span. hundred percent Mo is something M O T E. You definitely want to check out. I know we talked a lot about, classroom, Google classroom, uh, especially if you're using that as your LMS and reusing, uh, you know, posts and master classrooms. We want to talk about rubrics. You know, I think that's an underutilized feature that uh, we had kind of mentioned, but rubrics are pretty powerful, right, Dan?
1: Definitely. I know we mentioned it, I think, in episode one. Yeah, something. And we got a lot of feedback uh, saying you wanted to learn more about rubrics. So we're going to talk about it here. Just know I'm also going to link um, a slide deck about Rubrics. Creating rubrics in the show notes, so it'll give a little more detail on how to create and how to reuse and, and do all that.
0: Yeah, and powerful in the sense that you can uh, give the rubric to the students and then also leave the moat comment. How's that for an app smash right there? There we you know? go. Um, and lastly, you know, when we talk about streamlining feedback, uh, we want to talk about the comment bank, the comment bank in Google Classroom specifically.
1: Sure. So you have the ability to to save. Some comments. So some comments that you find yourself keep using over and over again, you can save that to your comment bank and then you'll be able to copy and paste them right into the field whenever you want to use it.
0: Yeah. So again, streamlining the process for the students, streamlining the process for the educator, making things a lot easier to uh, utilize as you are going through your grading and looking at student
1: work. Uh, very important. So the nice thing is, by by using a combination of these tools, you can even use Screencastify. So there's a lot of times when I'm leaving feedback or comments or want to answer a student question, um, I don't want to type it in. I don't want to talk it in because I'd like to demonstrate it. So I will use Screencastify for that feedback and answering questions in the digital environment because then I get to demonstrate what I'm talking about. So even if you wanted to point out a piece in student writing or if you want to look at their their analysis of a, of a math problem, and you see like a distinct point where, where feedback and teaching is needed, you can do that in a Screencastify video and then attach that as the comment in Google Classroom. Um, so all these tools mixed together um, really will create for a more meaningful digital learning experience for students. And remember, this isn't just for students that are working remote. These are for the students right. in your classroom, because we're always looking to have students create something. And, and the tools that are available through Google Workspace or even OneNote or, or Microsoft all Teams, teams, all, teams of them, all, yep. all these collaboration tools really will allow students to be creative and demonstrate their understanding in unique ways. But we want to make sure that we are providing the appropriate scaffolds where they can be independent in their learning, but we can be that guide along the way. So by having streamlined feedback, we, we can get to the students areas of concern quicker and more meaningful than having students submit something and then you're writing on it with a pen or you know having a conference about conferences are great i'm not saying get you you should be conferencing Absolutely. with your students but it's not going to replace them but having that streamlined feedback loop will give you more time to have small group instruction and streamline conferences because you're you're giving them feedback at the moment where they need it most in, in a way that's not overwhelming for the teacher.
0: Right. And as we know, students, you know, they're differ, uh, differing learning abilities, uh, you know, uh, grasping a concept or, or whatever your, your the activity you're having them perform there may be students who just need that small 30-second moat comment or maybe they'll understand, you know, something from the comment bank or a small screencastify. When you're a small group, maybe they need a lot more reteaching, redirection, and and, and that opportunity for them to get five minutes of your time in that conference versus the student who may only need those 30 seconds or a minute right. to get them back on task and get going on what you need them to do.
1: And then combine that with the rubric feature, yep. um, it, it just – It it just all makes sense.
0: As we wrap up talking about effective feedback, you know, I just wanted to mention, you know, a quote I read from uh, Plato talking about feedback and communicating effectively. Never discourage anyone who continually makes progress, no matter how slow as you provide feedback. I think that quote kind of summarizes episode number three here. So we once again uh, want to thank you guys for all your support, listening on all the platforms, leaving us a review. If you have any questions, comments, if you come to NiceGate, please reach out to Dan and I. And we always say, tech hard, work smart, live an adventure. Find Andrew on all socials at A Nicola Tech and Dan at WCSD Tech DR.